0: marvelous letter of love that's God's word. Now, what are you supposed to do with it? Use it, right? Yeah. What are you supposed to do with it? Well, you ought to read God's word, right? And when you read it, you ought to study it. You study God's word. And when you study the word of God, when you study the Bible, what happens? It studies you. It reads you, and it begins to change you. Listen, I don't come to the Bible, and I don't come to the Word of God and to the authority of God to tell God what I want from Him. I come to the Bible, and I come to the Word of God and the authority of God right here to say, God, what do you want from me? And if you want to know what God wants from you, then you've got to read this and you've got to study it, which means sometimes we read things and we don't really fully understand what they mean right away. How many of you have read the Bible and you read through something and you did like, I don't understand that. I'm not really sure. Okay, so four of us. All right, great. And so a lot of us, a lot more, a lot more hands are going up. How many of you have done this? You read a scripture or you heard someone quote a scripture one time and then you thought it meant something, but then later in life, you went back and you read like more of it, and you're like, wait a second, that's not what that means. This is what it means. How many has that happened to you? It's happened to me. It's happened to me. And so that's why it's important for you to learn how to read God's word for yourself and be in the habit of it. That it's a normal, like regular, daily rhythm and pattern in your life to read it and study it. Now, what does it mean to study it? It means to know what it says in context so that you don't accidentally take the Word of God out of context and think something that it says that it doesn't really say that so that you don't begin to develop a false belief around something that God said because you read one sentence and not the whole chapter or the whole paragraph or the whole book and not knowing, well, who was this book written to? And what's the historical context? And I know that's a lot for those of you who might be a third grade, but guess what? You can go on this journey with mom and dad as you're making your home and altar. I want to give you an every home and altar challenge. Take the next seven days and read and study one chapter a day. For the next seven days this is a this is a practical application of how you can go home you're like what does it mean what does it look like to make my home an altar it means that you are in the habit of elevating the word of God as a, as a place of an authority in your life and you're actually taking steps to do that so it means for the next seven days I'm going to just commit now some of you do this regularly already great job you get a gold star pat on the back But for those of you that have not made this a regular habit and pattern in your life, just make the the commitment. For the next seven days, I'm going to commit to read one chapter a day and learn what it means to study it. So get in the book of Proverbs. Get in the Gospel of John. Get in 1 Corinthians. Get in the book of Jude. If you get in the book of Jude, you're going to read it Every day for like seven days because it's just one chapter. The whole book is just one chapter. But I'm telling you, if you get in the book of Jude and you read it seven times, once a day for seven days, it will begin to change your life. Men, grab your wives. Grab your children. Is Antoine here somewhere? Anyway. Get your wives. Get your children. Get around the word of God. Lay a stone and you're building the altar. Amen? Amen. Do it. Don't walk out of here and be like, wasn't that nice? Wasn't that good? That was a cool umbrella. He had a sword. None of that's going to change your life if you don't do this. So not only should we study God's word, but we should also pray God's word. Many times we know what we should do as disciples, but we may not want to obey God in certain things. Boys and girls, sometimes you don't want to obey your parents. Oh, I don't want to do that. Remember, I just read that verse in Ephesians chapter 6 a moment ago. What did it say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Oh, I, I know it says that, but I don't want to do it. So what do you do? Do you do something stupid, and you get out into the rain without the, being under the authority of God's word? And you get pelted by problems and drenched in dysfunction? No. What you do is you pray God's word. God give me the want to give me the desire you would have thought i would bookmark this Ephesians 6 I don't want to but God give me the desire desire i want to obey you so what does it look like to pray the word of God you just take a scripture, a section of Scripture, and then you pray it. So, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers do not... Okay, so that's to fathers. So we'll just stop right there. Those first three verses. Heavenly Father, I just ask you right now to help me be obedient to my mom and my dad. Father, he- Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me. Give me the power and the ability to honor my mom and dad. And help me walk in your blessing, the blessing that you have of obedience as, as you've placed my mom and dad in my life as the authority over me because they, you, you're, you're leading them and they're leading me. And so help me walk in that blessing that I'll live a long life and things will go well with me. In Jesus' name, amen. You see how you can do that? That's not rocket surgery. It's like, I don't know what to pray. Open your Bible. It's really not that hard. But when are we going to just get desperate enough to make our homes an altar? So you study God's Word, you pray God's Word, and you live God's Word. Everybody say, "Live live God's Word. The Bible was not written for our information It was written for our transformation. And information without application is an abomination. I don't have any more alliteration. That was it. It's not good enough to just know what God's word says. You've got to live it. James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, if you try to do that, you're just fooling yourselves. How many of you have done anything and you thought, oh, I'm just going to get away with this, and you're just fooling yourself? Me, I've done it. There's a lot of people out there who are just fooling themselves right now. Willfully. Willfully living in Deception. Choosing deception, because they might know what God's word says, but they're not going to do what God's word says. So when you read God's word, when you hear Bible teaching, are you living it out? Are you putting it into practice? Are you walking in obedience? This message today is for every one of us in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, So we study God's word, we pray God's word, we live God's word, and now we give God's word. Everybody say, give God's word. word. We pass it on, we live it out. We live to give. One of the core values that we have here at Seeds Church is that we live generously. So, with everything that God has given to us, with every resource that He's placed within us, we are going to be generous with it. Why should this be any different with, with the gift of God's Word? One of the reasons why our American culture—this moms and dads—are you paying attention here? Middle schoolers who've read Animal Farm. <laughs> One of the reasons why our American culture is where it is today is because we have stayed silent on the issue of God's word and what God's word says. And we thought, well, that's, that's just for the church life. That's just for church world. And we've, we've been cowardly, and we've not said in the public arena, in the realm of politics, in the area of business, in the education system, we've not stood up and said, but this is what God's word says. This is what God's word says. We got to live it and give it. Let's not be silent. Let's not be quiet. We're to pass it on. We're being, Jesus calls us to be light to the world. He is the light of the world. And if we're his followers, then we ought to be light to the world, right? Right? Like a light, like a city set on a hill. You guys, I used to live in Colorado. And before I moved to Colorado on the front range, just at the very base of the Rocky Mountains, lived in in the Loveland area of Colorado, just north of Denver, about an hour. Before I lived there, I drove there a lot, like once a year when we lived in Missouri. Missouri. And you're, tra- you're, tra- you're traveling on I-70 across um, where the devil lives in Kansas. In the middle of summer, that is where the devil lives. He lives in Kansas. It's terrible. It's like, Lord God, t- take me up higher to new levels of I-80. I'll travel through Nebraska, God. So I'm driving through Kansas, and then you cross into Colorado. And you know, not all of Colorado has mountains. About half of it does, but the first half is just flat prairie land and some slightly rolling hills. But then if you're traveling at nighttime, you can start seeing way off in the distance this city that's elevated above where you are and the lights from a long way away, and that is the city of Denver. And you can see that from miles and miles and miles and miles away because it's like a city set up on a hill. Compared to where you are, it's like up on a hill. And Jesus has said that about us, that we are supposed to be that kind of light to the world, that people could look at us from a distance and know there's something different about us. And that's where I need to go. That's where I want to be. He said that we're the salt of the earth, that we preserve the earth. We give God's word away because we want people to experience its power and its presence and its protection like we have. So why should we take God's word and study it? Why should we take his word and pray it? Why should we take his word and live it? Why should we take his word and give it? Because Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. And I'm I'm telling you, I can't even imagine living this life in this world that we live in and, and, and try to discern what Romans chapter 12 says, is the good, the perfect, and acceptable will of God. I can't imagine trying to live in this world and trying to determine and discern what God's good, perfect, and acceptable will is without his word. Stop trying to do that. You don't have to. You have this. And you have this. And you have this. Why? Should we study it and pray it and live it and give it? Because it's powerful and it's alive and it's active. Listen, God is the author of authority. And he wants to write a chapter about your life and mine. And he wants uh, us to, to play a huge role in bringing his kingdom To earth as it is in heaven. It's how Jesus told us to pray, right? And we start this journey by getting under the things that God has put under, over us, right? So that we can get under the things that he's put, so we can get over the things he's put under us. The authority of God, guys, it's one prayer away. It's one step away. We are never going to reach our ultimate position until we live a life of submission. We've got to get under the authority of God. Would you guys stand with me as we get ready to pray? Prayer team, if you would, go ahead and come forward as we're getting ready to dismiss I know there's people in this room, friends of mine, church family of mine, that you need prayer in your life. Maybe it's for healing for your body, a broken elbow, a heart surgery. Maybe you need a miracle in your business, finances, in your marriage. Some of you are praying for your kids or grandkids because it looks like they're trying to run out into the storm without the authority of God's word. Listen, it starts right here in the place of prayer, praying to a God that we know who hears our prayers, delights in our prayers, and wants to answer our prayers. And it's the first place that we come into agreement with his plan and that we get equipped to do something about it. For some of us, sometimes in some situations, all we're to do is pray. But when you go to the place of prayer, you begin hearing what the Holy Spirit moves on your heart. And you begin to discern what the Holy Spirit's moving on your heart. And you go, ah, I think I'm supposed to to do something more now than just pray. I think I'm supposed to do this over here. Or I think I'm supposed to go to this person and have this conversation. Or I think I need to go encourage this person. Or I think I need to go over here and I need to lay hands on this person and pray for them and believe that the gift of healing from the Lord God will move through my body and touch them and heal them. But it starts right here in the place of prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Center ourselves on Jesus right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we thank you for your authority. We thank you that your authority exists for our protection. It's because that you love us so much. And so we're so thankful for your love, which means we're so thankful for your authority. And God, I pray that sometimes when it's hard for us to be obedient and to to live a life of submission, Lord, I pray that you would empower us by the Holy Spirit to equip us and to arrest our hearts that when we're about to take a step off the path, God, that we would say, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep living a life of submission. I know it's tough right now. It's hard right now. It's It's not what everybody else is doing right now. I know it's not what my flesh wants to do right now, but God, I want to do what you want because I don't want to be caught in the storm. I want to stay protected. I want to walk in the blessing that you have. Help us, Lord God, help us, Holy Spirit, live under the submission to the authority of your word. Lord, I pray for each and every one of these children here today, God. I pray that the seeds of your word get to... Deposited and planted in their hearts. Lord God, I pray that their hearts would be like the good soil in the parable that Jesus told, that their hearts would receive the seed of God's word, that it would begin to sprout and, and grow roots, and it would grow forth, and it would produce much fruit in their life. And the fruit of God's word would be produced in 30, 60, and 100 fold in their lives in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray for every mom and dad in here, and every grandparent in here, Lord God, every single person in here. As God, we're making Making our homes an altar, Lord, I pray that we would not be enticed by the distractions of this world, or the affections of this world, uh, or even just uh, just the the loudness and the noise and the busyness of this world. But God, we would keep our eyes focused on You, and we'd pick up another stone and we'd put it as we're building this altar, a place for You to Your presence to come and dwell, a place where we can make these sacrifices, Lord God, not not just out of just religious duty, but because we love you, Lord. And we want your presence in our homes. God, you come where you're wanted, so we say we want you more.